22, verses 7 to 27. So it's Luke chapter 22, verses 7 to 27, which is the Last Supper. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb has to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also, a dispute arose among them, as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. This is the word of the Lord. Well, firstly, I want to uh, thank you all on behalf of Kate and uh, myself and the children, of course, for your wonderful welcome to Basin Hill and to Christchurch. Your cards, your gifts, your cakes have been 
so appreciated. The children particularly like the cakes. <laughs> and the work that's been done on the vicarage as well. And the way that you've covered things during the interregnum. Uh, it means a lot. So thank you. Thank you all. And now, as a way of expressing our thanks, and also to provide an opportunity to get to know one another a little better, Kate and I are going to host a welcome evening on Wednesday the 24th of November from 7.30 in the evening. Everybody is invited. So please put the date in your diary and make it a priority if at all possible. More details are going to follow, so watch out for those in the weeks ahead. There'll be something to eat and drink, You'll be glad to hear, and it will give us the opportunity to relax together and enjoy each other's company. It will also give us the opportunity to thank God for the new kitchen and to commission that. And you'll be able to hear a little bit from Kate and myself uh, something of our journey and the adventure that has led us to this point here. As followers of Jesus, we're all on a journey with God, aren't we? We're all on an adventure. But as we begin a new chapter in the life of Christchurch, where will the adventure take us next? Where is God leading us now? It's an exciting thought. Well, at least I hope it's an exciting one. Might daunt uh, some of you. But where next on the journey is a question I'm sure we've all been thinking about. It's certainly a question that Kate and I have been considering. On Tuesday, afternoon before the service of induction and licensing, Kate and I went on a walk with our dog Max up to Lith Hill. It was a beautiful day and we sat there on one of the benches basking in the warm sunshine, taking in that stunning view. But of course it's not just any old view, is it? It's a breathtaking panorama. From up there you can see further and you can see wider. It's a big picture. It's a sort of view that gives you a perspective on things, isn't it? Now, what I want to do today is to begin to paint the broad brushstrokes of a vision, to begin creating the canvas on which we're going to paint a beautiful picture together, to begin preparing the land on which we'll make a plot where we can build something really strong, create the music paper on which we're going to write a lyrical melody. I want to take you up the hill and show you a brief glimpse of the view. A view which will hopefully inspire us, hopefully excite us. It may be that it will challenge us and I hope that it will unite us. Now don't get me wrong, please don't mishear me. I'm not going to tell you the minutiae of what we're going to be doing, the exact details of what and when and how. I want us to work that out together as a community, prayerfully, so that we all own and share what we're going to be doing and the direction that we're going to be heading in. Now, over the coming months, we'll be finding ways of listening, of praying, of reflecting, talking, and coming up with ideas that will be sparked by engaging with God and his word through worship, just like now, continued and explored more deeply in home groups and other groups, and which will hopefully result in ideas and discussions for the way forward at PCC. Now I hope that this won't be a brief interlude of listening, 
but it will be a way of going about things from now on. I hope that this way, our vision as a church, just as it has done, will continue to evolve and develop. Each one of us, whether you like it or not, has the responsibility, and I hope now we'll have the opportunity to make a positive contribution to our vision through words and actions. And so from the outset, I want to encourage us all to avoid the temptation to see the process simply as an opportunity to moan. I'm sure none of us would do that. Or to pass on our own likes and dislikes. Of course, that sort of thing really doesn't have a place in God's church. But I want to encourage us all, myself included, to think beyond those things. To see what God might want to be doing in this place and how he wants to encourage us to build up his church in Baston Hill. Now, I gave these broad brushstrokes of vision on the day I was interviewed for the post of vicar. And so I want you to have the opportunity to hear them today. Of course, they are influenced by who I am and the sort of person I am and what I feel God's called me here to do. And of course, how I feel God's calling me to lead. But what I'm about to share can only ever build on a journey so far. And so I want to encourage us to be thankful for where Ralph and Helen have brought us as a church and also to be thankful for the wonderful people that you are, the ministries that you have, the faith that you have. And we can be thankful for those things today. Without you, Christchurch wouldn't be the same, would it? And it certainly wouldn't be where it is today. So before I launch into this, let's pause and let's pray. Father, thank you for Christchurch. Thank you for the wonderful people that are this church. Thank you for the faith, the ministries, the love and the commitment, not to mention the sacrifice that has brought this church to where we are today. We do thank you for Ralph and Helen, for their ministry in this place. We do pray that you'll bless them in their retirement. And Father, we commit ourselves to you for the future and pray that you would begin to speak to us now about where you're leading us next. Because we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, in the Disney film Up, an old man called Carl Fredrickson, I don't know if you've seen this film, you may have watched it with children or grandchildren, well, I encourage you, get the DVD out. It's a fantastic film. The first 20 minutes are incredibly moving. And the film did cause a stir because, as I mentioned, this guy called Carl Fredrickson is an an elderly man. There he is. Toy shops didn't fancy stocking a toy figure for children to buy of an elderly person. It's outrageous, isn't it? Are you as outraged as I am? You don't look it. Ageism like that, well, it did cause a stir, you may have read about it. 
But anyway, this guy, Carl Fredrickson, he proves that you can make the most of life. And he embarks on an amazing Christ-like adventure. And he does five things on this adventure. Firstly, thanks Aidan, he takes with him the good things he already has. Secondly, moving on, he reimagines new ways of doing things to help him to get to where he wants to go. And you can see, I'll just go back, that he takes his house with him. It's a wonderful thing that he owns. It's a good thing. So many memories are there. And yet, he reimagines a new way to use that house. And that's what I want to speak about today, about the way that God might want to reimagine the use of his house in this place. And Carl Fredrickson uses balloon power as a new way of using it. Thirdly then, he shapes everything for the mission that lies ahead. Fourthly, he journeys further than he's ever been. And fifthly, and finally, he inspires others to join him on the journey. A real mixed bag, as you can see. Nothing like the church, of course. (laughs) Okay, Aidan, thank you. We see there a Christ-like vision. This story points to a vision we see Jesus outline in that uh, account that we heard read for us from Luke's Gospel, The Last Supper. Now, at the Last Supper, Jesus inspires an exciting, but it has to be said, an incredibly challenging vision. And it's a vision that I think and I feel God is calling us to embrace here at Christchurch and to explore. So, what was this vision that Jesus outlined? Well, there's five parts to it. Firstly, at the Last Supper, Jesus uses the good things he already has. Jesus developed existing elements of faith and tradition, didn't he? He took the traditional Jewish Passover and gave it a radical new twist. In his Gospel, Luke tells us in verse 13, they prepared the Passover. But when it came to it, Jesus took it and he reinterpreted it. He wasn't prepared to ditch the tradition. It was far too valuable. It spoke of great times in the past. It reminded God's people of how he'd rescued them from slavery in Egypt. The meal allowed people to see again that just as God saved them in the past, he would do exactly the same in the present. But in breaking the bread and pouring the wine, Jesus did something quite remarkable. He initiated a new meal that pointed his friends to God's saving help that doesn't just reach into the past, but it makes a huge difference to today and to tomorrow. He spoke of a sacrifice that would make all the difference in the world and bring a hope for all people today and into the future. And so then, moving on, developing the existing will form an important part of our vision as Christchurch, building on the good things, the incredible amount of good that we already have, the effective aspects of church life. Now this will require, as I've mentioned, a process of reflection and evaluation where we are able to address ideas and issues that feed into home groups and the prayer life of the church. 
and that result in discussion at PCC. And as I begin ministry in this place too, it will be important that I listen and reflect and pray and learn about what it is that's important to you, what God has placed on your heart, what God has shown is important to you and to the community in this place. Developing the existing will also require that we continue to develop engaging worship appropriate to each service, where we get the best from existing ministries and activities, where we strengthen the leadership structures and the staff team, where we develop the good things God's already given us. Moving on then. As part of his radical new vision, Jesus reimagines new ways of doing things. He sparked a fresh expression of faith and he did that through the new covenant that he spoke about. Jesus demonstrated a new promise of God's love. The new way of receiving God's love through his own sacrifice. Jesus came up with a way for people to accept and welcome this new promise for themselves. A way of committing and recommitting themselves to God through Jesus. A way of saying yes to being one of his followers. And it was simply by receiving bread and wine. Imagine, it's a fantastic idea. A fresh way of allowing people to receive God's love for themselves. But of course, Jesus did this in a way that his friends could relate to. He started where they were at, from their Jewish roots, from their Jewish background, from their Jewish culture. He took the Passover meal and he gave it a radical new twist. So then, moving on, exploring new ways of being church will form an essential part of our vision. Meeting people where they are at, from their background, their roots and their culture. Finding God in life's issues and in society. Fulfilling the exciting potential we have to utilise our building. Perhaps housing a cafe venue where we might host midweek fresh expressions of church. It's just an idea. But of course, any fresh expressions of church will increase the number of congregations and so we'll need to build community from diversity. We'll also need to develop and explore new ways of worshipping alongside our traditional ways. And all of this will uh, will demand, really, that we engage with the community, either through the excellent links we already have with the schools and other networks that exist. Exploring new ways of being church will be crucial to the future survival of any church, let alone the church in Basin Hill. So, again, moving on. Jesus inspires mission-shaped ministry. It's a phrase, mission-shaped, that's banded about all the time. What's it mean? Well, Jesus showed the disciples that everything they were to do was about communicating God's offer, offer of love to the world. Remember what God has done for you by sharing bread and wine, Jesus tells his friends. And share the food you've received with others. Help them to receive and respond to God's offer of love too. Let everything you do and the way that you do it communicate God's love to others. And so, the next part of our vision 
Resourcing mission-shaped church life is key. Mission no longer, which is simply an add-on. Moving from programme and project-based mission, which has uh, yielded so many results and been so good, but we'll do more than that. We'll move to mission that is fully expressed in every aspect of church life. And we'll explore how in the months and years ahead. How we gear ministries, structures, our policies and our strategies and our leadership and our finances to mission. How we nurture and equip future leaders. And in time too, where we can become a resource beyond the parish to encourage other people and other churches. Mission-shaped church life. Fourthly then, at the Last Supper, Jesus went further and deeper than he'd ever been. Now, Jesus hadn't talked about himself or God quite like he did at the Last Supper. He hadn't done that before. For Jesus, this was definitely a step up. The stakes were getting higher. It was a new chapter. He knew God was asking a lot of him and that in turn, he was asking a lot of his friends too. He was asking them to accept a life of sacrifice, humility and service. And that's why he encouraged his friends to regularly receive from God, to receive his food and his nourishment in bread and wine, to remember all that he's done, all that he's doing and all that he's going to do. Jesus encourages each of us to seek God afresh, to see what new thing he's going to be doing in us and through us. He's asking us to walk with Jesus on the adventure, wherever it leads. And this requires us all to have open hands, just like when you receive bread and wine at communion ready to receive all the good things that God has for us. The gifts, the words, the prophecies, the encouragements, the challenges, all given so generously through his Holy Spirit. But it also requires following Jesus' own example, just like he did at the beginning of the Last Supper, where he gives thanks to God for all that we've received. Being thankful will help us not to take God's goodness for granted and to continue to expect more. And so then, as the fourth part of our vision, journeying further and deeper with God is a must for us here. Going beyond where we've been before. Engaging with God's word in ways that connect with culture and inspire Christian living. Being open to the Holy Spirit and ministering in gifts of the Spirit in sensitive ways where we resource passionate discipleship and where we develop our prayer life, corporately and individually. Always, always, always looking to journey further and deeper with God. Always seeking God afresh. So then, back to the Last Supper for the final time. Fifthly, Jesus encouraged his friends to join him on this journey into an exciting but a very demanding future. We know that the church faces difficult problems across the country and the world. 
And that's true for us here. We have difficult choices to make. We have choices of commitment and direction. But if we follow Jesus' example, then it gives us a start. Jesus built a community that people wanted to be part of. He showed one of the ways that we receive from God is by giving to others from what we have been given. He gave his friends a vision they wanted to help make a reality. And even though they were weak and they were frail and they made mistakes, big mistakes, they went on following and serving Jesus into the future and helping other people to know God's love for themselves. And Jesus accepted his followers just as they were, warts and all, building a community of very different people. And so, growing a community of all ages that people want to be part of is a must. We need to be an attractive people. And I'm not just talking about your gorgeous looks that you've got. I'm talking more than that. About being an authentic people. Being a people that show God's welcome. And you've worked so hard on that as a church, I know. And that's been brilliant. And we can build on that. Where we look to get to know one another better and support one another better through deepening relationships. Where we care for each other and for our community. Where we show good communication. Where we put our faith into action. Where we have fun together. Show our generosity with one another. Where we make church relevant where we empower leaders. We don't just ask people to fill a gap. We spot their potential and we support them as they fulfil their God-given role in the church. Where we give the opportunity to involve every person and where we build a vision that people want to sign up to, that they want to give their time, their energy and their money to. It's so important. We have so much at Christchurch And God wants to add to all this. And so this is the framework I believe we should use to build a vision together. I don't expect you just to uh, give a nod of assent or anything like that. It will take time for us to explore this and to reflect on it and to move forward. But these five aspects of Jesus' own vision create the canvas, a wonderful canvas, on which we can paint together. They provide the plot on which we can build something very strong. Okay, so there you have it. A five-fold framework for a fresh vision for Christchurch. That's a mouthful. Developing, exploring, resourcing, journeying and growing. It's a very active vision. Essential to all this is the need for teamwork. Because as I say, it's just a framework. We need to come up with the content and the details to fill it all out. I believe that an adventurous vision along these lines will require adventurous leadership. And I'm not just talking about from me. I'll do my best to provide support and enable this. But I need your support. I really need your support. I need your prayer and your commitment. It's something we really need to do together. But it will mean that I'm not just here to make sure that things run smoothly. Jesus demonstrated at the Last Supper 
that a changing world and a changing church means that leadership needs to change too. It won't necessarily fit with conventional ideas of what it is to be a vicar. I don't think I'm very good at that anyway. (laughs) And I'm sure you all know too that I'm not just here to look after your personal tastes. I'm sure none of you would imagine that. I'm here for two very simple reasons at the end of the day. To help us connect with God so that we know where he's leading us and to receive from him so that we have the strength and the resources to set out in faith. Put it very simply, to help us receive God's love so that we can give it away. And we need each other without a shadow of a doubt. So, will you play your part? One person, thank you. (laughs) Will you play your part? Thank you. Will you do your bit to help us to be a community where we lean on God and we leave any pain and frustration from the past behind us? A community that presses on like Jesus and his band of friends into a new era. A community that doesn't simply exist as a disconnected group of God's people, but instead as the Church of God, a united group of Christians who are all headed in the same direction. I want to encourage us all to press on and work towards this Christ-like vision. I'd like us to hold on to it, to constantly go back to it, to explore it more, find out what God wants to teach us and show us from it in the months and the years ahead. It's something that God laid on my heart when I stepped into this place. It moved me, it stirred me and it excited me and I hope it will do the same for you. So as we finish this particular part of exploring the vision for this place, let's pray. Firstly, I want to thank you all so very, very much on behalf of Kate, myself and the children for your wonderful welcome to Christchurch and to Baston Hill. Your cards and your gifts and your cakes have been most appreciated, particularly, uh, well, the children particularly like the cakes. The work you've done on the vicarage too has been uh, marvellous and you've covered so very much during the interregnum. Uh, A lot of you have. And uh, some of you in key positions have done rather a lot, more than you would ever imagine, I think, (laughs) it's probably safe to say. But uh, thank you. Thank you all. And as a way of expressing our thanks to you and to provide an opportunity to get to know each other better, Kate and I are going to be hosting a welcome evening on Wednesday, November the 24th. If you've got anything in your diary, get rid of it. Make it a priority. (laughs) Come along and we can spend some time together, we can relax together and get to know each other a bit better. You'll hear more about it in the weeks ahead, so uh, watch out for that, but please just make a note of it now. And at that evening we'll we'll eat and drink something and uh, we'll be able to uh, uh, dedicate and thank God for the new kitchen that we have and also be an opportunity for Kate and myself to express something of our journey and the adventure that has led us here to you, just so that you know. Because we all have a journey with God when we're followers of Jesus. We're all on a journey, aren't we? We're all part of an adventure. 
Whether you like it or not, you're on an adventure. But as we begin a new chapter in the life of Christchurch, where will the adventure take us next? Where is God leading us now? It's an exciting thought. Well, at least I think it is exciting. It is for me. I hope it is for you. Maybe it's quite daunting. But the question, where next on the journey, is a question I'm sure we've all been thinking about to some degree or another. Kate and I have certainly been considering this over the last weeks and days. And on Tuesday afternoon, Kate and I, before the uh, service of uh, induction and licensing, which was wonderful by the way, so thank you very much for that, we, uh, we went on a walk up to Lift Hill and we took Max, our dog, he pulled us up all the way and uh, when we were there we were on, sat on one of the benches and we basked in the warm afternoon sunshine. It was wonderful and we took in that stunning view. But it's not just any old view, is it, up there? It's an extraordinary, a breathtaking panorama. From up there you can see further and you can see wider. It's a big picture. It's the sort of view that gives you a perspective on life. And so what I want to do today is to begin to paint the broad brushstrokes of a vision, to begin creating the canvas on which we're going to paint a beautiful picture together. We're going to prepare the land for the plot on which we're going to build something strong. Create the music paper on which we can write a lyrical melody together. I want to take you up the hill and show you a brief glimpse of the view. A view that will hopefully inspire us, excite us, unite us, but it may just challenge us too. So I hope you're prepared. Now, don't get me wrong, please don't mishear me. I'm not going to tell you the minutiae, the details of what we're going to be doing, you know, the how and the when and the where. That's for us all to work out together as a community, prayerfully listening to one another so that we all own and share this vision. We're all headed in the same direction as a church. Now, over the coming months, we'll be finding ways of listening and praying and reflecting and talking and coming up with all sorts of ideas that will be sparked by engaging with God, meeting with him and engaging with his word in worship. With expectant hearts, and minds, ready to receive all that he wants to give us as a church. And from there we'll feed that into our home groups where we can go deeper with it. We can pray about it a bit more. We can explore it more. And other groups too. And from there, hopefully what will come out is ideas and all sorts of discussion that we can take to PCC. I don't want this period of listening to be like a brief interlude. I want it to be a way of working from now on. Something that is deeply ingrained in who we are. So that our vision, which has brought us to this place so far, can continue to evolve and develop. Each one of us, again, whether you like it or not, you have the responsibility and the opportunity, I hope, to make a positive contribution to our vision through words and through actions. And from the outset, I want to encourage us all, myself included, to avoid the temptation to see the process simply as an opportunity to moan. I'm sure none of us would do that. 
or pass on our own likes and dislikes. Again, heaven forbid. Because none of those things really have a place in God's church. But to think beyond them, to see beyond them, to where we feel God is leading us and to what he has in store for us as a church. Now I gave these broad brushstrokes even more briefly than this on the day I was interviewed for the post of vicar. And to save Steve being the only person who's heard those in here today, I want to share them with you all. It's something that God has really placed on my heart very strongly from the first moment we came into this building all those months ago. I was moved by this vision. It stirred me and it really does challenge me. And so I want to share it with you all. What I'm about to share can only ever be built on the journey so far. And so we can be thankful for where Ralph and Helen have brought us and also we can be thankful for the wonderful people that you are all that you've offered in this place and beyond in this parish that has helped Christchurch to become what it is today. And of course this vision is influenced by who I am and what I feel God's called me here to do. That was always going to be the case. So before we launch in, let's pause and let's pray. Father, thank you for where you've brought us as a church, a community in Baston Hill. Thank you for the journey so far. Thank you for the wonderful people, the ministries, the gifts, the generosity. We thank you. And we pray now that we'll be ready to receive something new, something of you. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. Amen. So, moving on, Andy, in the uh, PowerPoint. Oh, not not just yet, sorry. Um, Just the still of the film should be there. Sorry about that, in the PowerPoint. The, um, in the Disney film Up, I don't know if you've seen it. Has anybody seen it? Hands up if you've seen the film Up. Okay, several of you. Some of you might not be admitting to it. It is a good film, it's worth watching. There's an old man called Carl Fredrickson. Now, this film causes a bit of a stir because toy shops didn't want to stock a toy figure on sale for children of an old person. How outrageous is that? It's disgraceful. I hope, well, you don't look very outraged. Are you as outraged as me? Perhaps, maybe you think it's okay. Shame on you. But it was outrageous. Anyway, it caused a bit of a stir. Fantastic film. Carl Fredrickson shows that life can be embraced. Whatever age you are, it's never too late. And he embarked on a Christ-like adventure. An amazing, courageous adventure. We're going to watch... Um, a little clip of how he takes all the good things that he has within his house.
want his home. And developers want to take it away from him. They want to take his home. And uh, Carl Fredrickson, he remembers that his wife and himself, they had a dream of where they wanted to go. And they never realised that dream. And even though he's lost her, he decides he's going to follow that dream after all. He's not going to let the developers take his home and his memories and the place that he loved to live with his wife. And so he takes his home with him. You imagine the church. Developers want to take our church, don't they? They want to talk it down, say that it's insignificant these days. They want to take away its power and its responsibility and its impact. And we can either let the, the developers move in and take it away, or we can follow the dream that's been placed on our hearts. The dream that we were always supposed to follow. That dream of building a church for God in this place. That's what I'd like us to do. So, Carl Fredrickson then, he does five things on this mission, on this adventure. Firstly, he takes with him the good things he already has. Secondly, moving on Andy, he reimagines new ways of doing things to help him to get to where he wants to go. Thirdly, he shapes everything they have for the mission that lies ahead. Fourthly, he journeys further than he's ever been before. And fifthly, he inspires others to join him on the journey. And what a mixed bag it is. Look at that. Nothing like the church at all. <laughs> so there we have it. It's a Christ-like vision. Next slide, please. The story points to a vision we see Jesus outline at the Last Supper. And it relates to that account that Andrew read for us a few minutes ago from Luke 22. At the Last Supper, Jesus inspires an exciting but an incredibly challenging vision. And it's this vision that I would love for us to take on board for it to become the foundations on which we build as a church. And so let's unpack that together today. What was this vision that Jesus outlined? Well, firstly, we saw that Jesus uses the good things he already has. He develops existing elements of faith and tradition. He took the traditional Jewish Passover meal and gave it a radical new twist. In the Gospel story, in verse 13, Luke tells us that he said to them, actually, that they prepared the Passover. It says that in verse 13. But when it came to it, Jesus took this meal and he did something new with it. He reinterpreted it. Jesus wasn't prepared to ditch the tradition. It was far too valuable for that. Because it pointed to a point in history where God had saved his people from slavery in Egypt. The meal allowed people to see again that just as God was capable of saving them in the past, he was certainly capable of saving them today. But in breaking bread and pouring wine, Jesus did something quite remarkable. He instituted a new meal that pointed his friends to God's saving help in the past, yes. But now, through pointing them to his own sacrifice, 
he showed them that God's saving grace would make a difference today and in the future. So then, developing the existing will form a very important part of our vision here. Building on the amazing amount of good we already have. Those effective parts of church life that will sustain the church into the future. This will require, as I've just mentioned a few minutes ago, a process of reflection and evaluation where we can explore issues and we can move forward with it all at PCC. And as I begin ministry in this place too, it will be important for me to listen and learn and reflect and pray to discover what it is that's important to you and also the community in this place. So then, developing the existing will also require creating engaging worship uh, appropriate to each of our services, getting the best from existing ministries and activities and strengthening our leadership structures and our staff team. Secondly then, at the Last Supper, as part of his radical new vision, Jesus reimagines new ways of doing things. He started as fresh expression of faith. Did you realise that? He did it through a new covenant. Jesus demonstrated the new promise of God's love. A new way of receiving God's love through his own sacrifice. I think we forget how mind-boggling that must have been for the disciples to hear that for the first time, to see it for themselves. And of course we see with hindsight, but there and then at that time, it must have been a huge mind shift for them. Jesus came up with this new way for people to accept and welcome God's promise for themselves. A way of committing and recommitting themselves to God through Jesus. A way of saying yes to be one of his followers simply by receiving bread and wine. What a fantastic idea. A fresh way of allowing people to receive God's love for themselves. And the most important thing I think about this is that Jesus did it in a way that his friends could relate to. He started where they were at from their Jewish roots, from their Jewish culture, and from their Jewish background. So then, exploring new ways of being church, meeting people where they are at, will be a key part of our vision here at Christchurch. Meeting people in their own roots, their own culture, their own background. Helping people find God in life's issues and in society itself. We can utilise the amazing potential we have in our building here. One idea, just throwing it out to you now, perhaps to, to have a cafe venue where we can host midweek fresh expressions of church. And as we create new uh, congregations, these fresh expressions, we'll need to work hard to build community from those diverse groups of people. And important to all of this, we'll be exploring new ways of worshipping, alongside what we already do and engaging with the community, either through the excellent links we have with school and also the networks that exist in our village. Exploring new ways of being church. Moving on then, 
what we see. Thirdly, that Jesus inspires mission-shaped ministry. This, this phrase is banded about all the time, isn't it? Mission-shaped. What does it mean, mission-shaped? Mission-shaped this and that. Got mission-shaped bishops. Mission-shaped tea and coffee. Well, Jesus showed the disciples that everything they were to do was about communicating God's offer of love. Remember what God has done for you by sharing bread and wine. That's what he told his friends. And share the food that you've received with others. Help them to receive and respond to God's love. Let everything you do and the way that you do it communicate God's offer of love. And so for us, resourcing mission-shaped church life will be absolutely essential. Mission no longer being just an add-on. Moving from project and programme-based mission to mission that is fully expressed in every aspect of church life. Now, I've got an image for you to help illustrate this point. You think of the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, right? You've got Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Their very life, the expression of their personalities is completely and utterly mission-shaped. They exist for one another in order to reach out to a broken world with their love. That's what they do. They don't do a little bit of mission-shaped activity and then get on with being all holy. They just do it in their very life, in their community. Someone once called it a dance of the Trinity. That's what they do. Their movement is mission-shaped. That's the vision that we have here for Christ Church. To be mission-shaped in everything that we do. Gearing our ministries, our structures, our strategies, our policies, our leadership and our finances for mission today. Nurturing and equipping future leaders. And in time, hopefully resourcing mission beyond the parish, encouraging other churches in the process. Mission-shaped church life. Fourthly then, at the Last Supper, Jesus goes further and deeper than he'd ever been before. Do you know, Jesus hadn't really talked about himself or God in the way that he did uh, in Luke's account, and in the other accounts for that matter, when he did that. For Jesus, this was certainly a step up. The stakes were getting higher. It was a new chapter. He knew God was asking an incredible amount from him. And in turn, Jesus asked it of his friends too. To accept a life of sacrifice, of humility and service. That's when you can shuffle about uncomfortably in your seat. It's something that's banded about all the time for us Christians, and yet it's the hardest thing in the world to do. To live a life of sacrifice and service. And that's why Jesus encourages friends to regularly receive from God, to receive food and nourishment in the form of bread and wine, to remember all that he's done, all that he's doing, and all that he's going to do. To remind us that we live a life of sacrifice and service. And so Jesus encourages all to seek God afresh, to see what new thing he's going to do with us and to willingly go wherever he's leading us. 
And of course, this requires that we have open hands, just like when we receive bread and wine, to receive all the good things that God wants us to have, to equip us with all the things that he knows, he knows we need. It will also require that we follow Jesus' own example, just like he did at the beginning of the Last Supper, where he gave thanks to God. We can give thanks to God for all that he's done for us, so that we can go on expecting more from him. So then, for us, journeying further and deeper, going beyond where we've been before as a community, it will require that we engage with God's word in ways that connect with culture and inspire Christian living. It just doesn't end here in church with the words we say. It goes out and makes a difference to the whole of our lives. Where we're open to the Holy Spirit ministering, to us in our services, where we're open to expressing gifts of the Spirit in sensitive ways, where we resource passionate discipleship and we look to develop our prayer life, our individual prayer life and our corporate prayer life. Always, always, always seeking God and journeying further and deeper with him. So then, back to the Last Supper for the final time. Fifthly and finally, Jesus encouraged his friends to join him on a journey that was both exciting but, as I've mentioned, incredibly demanding. Jesus built a community people wanted to be part of. He showed that one of the ways we receive from God is by giving to others what we ourselves have been given. He gave his friends a vision that they wanted to sign up to, to help make a reality. And even though they were weak and frail, and they made lots of mistakes, they went on following Jesus into the future. And Jesus accepted his followers just as they were, warts and all. And he built a community of very, very different people. So then, growing a community of all ages that people want to be part of is a complete must for us. Being an attractive people. I'm not just talking about your gorgeous looks, even though they are quite striking. We're talking about being a people that turn heads for what we do and the way that we stand out for God. Through our authenticity, where we mean what we say and we say what we mean. Where we show God's welcome. And I know you've worked so hard on that, showing God's welcome, and we can continue to build on that. Where we look to deepen relationships, by caring for one another and looking out for one another. Where we show good communication, where we put our faith into action, where we have fun, continue to do that. Where we show our generosity, where we're relevant to people, where we empower leaders. We don't just look for people to fill a gap, but we see their potential and we nurture it and we release them into the ministry that God always wanted them to have where we give the opportunity for every single person in the church to be involved, where we work for quality, and most importantly, where we build a vision that people really do want to be part of. They feel so strongly about it, they want to give their time, their skills, and their money to it. We have so much here at Christ Church, and God wants to add to this. So this is the framework I believe we should use to build a vision together for Christchurch. And it is just that. It's a framework. And together we need to pad it out 
flesh it out. We need to put the contents into it. We need to work out the details. But these five aspects of Jesus' own vision create the canvas on which we can paint together and they help prepare the land for where we can build something strong. So there you have it. It's a five-fold vision. Developing, exploring, resourcing, journeying and growing. It's a very active vision. Like I say, it's something that moved me and stirred me when I first came into Christchurch. And it still does that to me today. And I pray that it will begin to move and stir and excite you. And so I implore you to continue reading Luke 22. Continue seeking the Lord in it and through it. Pray about it. Ask God to show you something fresh through it. And then share it. Share it with one another. Share it with me. And let's continue to be open to God. I believe that an adventurous vision along these lines will require adventurous leadership. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about everybody who's in a position of leadership. I'll do my best to provide support and enable this. But I'll need your support. I'll need your prayer. And I'll need your commitment. This is something we really do need to do together. And it'll also mean that I'm not just here to make sure that things run smoothly. Jesus demonstrated at the Last Supper, and as you read it, you can see this for yourselves, that a changing world and a changing church requires changing leadership. It won't necessarily fit with conventional or traditional ideas of what a vicar is. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think a traditional vicar is really me. (laughs) So, and I'm sure you're all aware that I'm not just here to stroke you all and keep you all happy either, (laughs) to look after your personal tastes. I'm here for two very important reasons. To help us all connect with God so that we know where he's leading us and so that we can receive from him so that we've got all the strength and all the resources we need to step out in faith. Put it very simply, to help us receive God's love so that we can give it away. And we need each other, don't we? Without a shadow of a doubt. So the question is this. (laughs) Will you play your part? Anyway, thanks for coming. That's great. (laughs) Yes! One. One bidder, thank you. Anybody else? Great! Yes? Wonderful. I hope so. Will you do your bit to help us as a community lean on God? Leave any pain and frustration about the past behind us and press on like Jesus and his band of followers into an exciting future. And to be a community that doesn't just simply exist as a disconnected group of God's people, but as a united group of Christians who are all headed in the same direction, looking out for one another. I want to encourage us all to press on and work towards this Christ-like vision and discover where God is going to take us next. Let's pray. I'm going to spend a few minutes just praying into 
this. I'll leave some space for us so that we can...